So good to be here. We've been in a series the last several weeks talking about God as Father. We're going to continue that today. Some of you are feeling really, really good. The Georgia Bulldog fans are singing with everything that they've got. And listen, we got to be careful. I mean, if you thought the Republican Democrat thing was tough, I mean, we have a lot of Auburn fans in this church, and we love you, all right? And, uh, but all the, all the Bulldog fans are quoting Jeremiah today. They're believing in God again. He has plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans for hope in a future. They're praising God today. Um, and it's a good thing that our pastor uh, is out of the country uh, without internet access, uh, just so you know. Uh, some of you maybe follow Michigan sports now because of our, our senior pastor, and it did not end well last night. And, uh, and so uh, he is in a country o- away from all of that. I think he can get on at night, probably really, really slow internet, so he probably doesn't believe it, even if he's seen it. Uh, but that is cause to pray for your pastor. And, um, and beyond that, I honestly, I want to ask you to pray for Brian and Amy this week. And because we're on our live stream right now at 11 o'clock, for people that couldn't make it here today, we'll see you next week right here. Okay, we'll be back. Uh, we'll still be here. I uh, want to not mention the country that they're in, uh, but I just want to ask that you would pray for Brian and Amy this week as they're speaking with pastors and their wives. And uh, we, we want to be faithful to come around them and pray. Hey, um, so I told, we have a meeting on Tuesdays after lunch and some during the week and, and sometimes we have this meeting where we bounce ideas about what the message will be about on Sunday. I mean, we think and pray about it long in advance, but we, you know, here, here's some ideas and maybe we get some ideas from some staff members. And so whoever's speaking just kind of throws some stuff out there. And, and I said, okay, so I have an idea on how I want to start this message and I want to make a point. So here, here it is. It's actually a little different than what I said on Tuesday. I want to start today with four words, just four words. Okay? Thanks. Okay, here's the thing don't react, don't run out on me, don't like make any crazy facial expressions. Don't shout. Y'all been shouting to Jesus. Shout to Jesus, but not in this moment, okay? And this won't be about that, just so you know. Not yet, anyway. All right, here we go. Four words. President-elect Donald Trump. Now, that's not a joke. Now, 10 years ago, I could have used that in a message, and it might have been funny. But it's not funny today. It's reality. The title has changed. We have known him up to this point as GOP presidential candidate Donald J. Trump. And then somewhere along the lines of around 2 to 2.30 on Wednesday morning, and I was still awake because I'm a news junkie, I'm a political junkie, so this was like little bit of a Super Bowl for me. I'm one of those people that refreshes like the Drudge Report 15 times a day. I've got issues, I know. And so I'm sitting there in the bed. My wife and I are still awake. We're kind of waiting to see what's happened. Doesn't seem like anything's going to happen. I've got six different tabs open on my web browser and I just keep refreshing things. It's just as sick as it sounds. I'm going from page to page to page. And somewhere after 2 a.m. on Wednesday morning, I looked at my wife and I said, this One here says he won Pennsylvania, so this is different now. Everything changes. 
And then at about 7 a.m. on Wednesday morning, I told you I have way too much news that I consume in my life. At about 7 a.m., whoever is in charge of the real Donald Trump Twitter account changed the biographical information. It went from whatever it said before, GOP presidential candidate, businessman, entrepreneur, real estate tycoon, whatever it said, to president-elect Donald Trump. And it changes how an entire nation of people relate to this man. Have you ever had anything close to this in your life? I mean, maybe you have. You may not have been elected to any office or anything, but have you ever had a title change you? Maybe suddenly you've been working in the same place for 25 years and all of a sudden you're the department head, you're the boss, and everyone starts to look at you differently because you've got a different title. And I know we try to live in this world where titles don't matter and it's all good, but really and truly we know that it does. Some things happen that cause people to look at you differently. Maybe it was a much nicer title. Maybe it was a friendly title. Maybe it was when you became grandma or grandpa, and all of a sudden people are looking at you differently. And isn't that a wonderful thing? But because of that title, all of these people are relating to you differently. When Jesus comes onto the scene, everyone is relating to God as Father in a particular way. And he changes it. You see, up to this point, everyone has known God as Father of the nation. Maybe they use terms like he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the country's fathers in Israel. It'll be much like us talking about George Washington and Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. It doesn't sound personal. It sounds like that he is a, he's a God who is far off. He's a God who's got all of it, but he's not personal to me. He's the God of really important people of our past, but it's not something that applies to me right here, right now, in this moment. And as we've been talking about God wanting to be a father to you over the last several weeks. I can't help but wonder, how are you relating to this? Some of you relate to this in in very particular ways, peculiar ways. Maybe you're thinking of God as sitting on a high throne somewhere in a far off country and he's He's very, very distant. Maybe for you, he has, a, he has a, a long white beard and a very stern look on his face. Maybe it's a very disappointed look on his face. Some of you, as we've talked about God as father, you cannot help but think about your earthly father because after all, that's really up to this point, maybe all that you can relate to. And so maybe whatever the characteristics, the personality was of your earthly father, you've applied that to God. And some of those things are very, very painful. But when Jesus comes onto the scene, he decides that he wants to make a change in how people are relating to God the Father. And you can open your Bibles and look with me, if you will, Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, we're right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, it's called. It's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We believe he gave this message over and over again. In fact, it's recorded in in other Gospels in different ways or little snippets of it, including in, in the book of Luke. And to show you the change that Jesus makes... In relating to God the Father, I want you to know that I could have gone to any of several different portions of this one message that he gave. I could go to the section on giving and how Jesus talked about God as Father in the section on giving. I could talk about the section on fasting, but I've chosen the one on prayer because I think it's the most simple, it's the easiest to read and understand exactly what Jesus does here in this passage. I think you'll get his point. Matthew chapter 6, 
Verse 6 says this, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now understand something. This was absolutely revolutionary. Jesus introduces His disciples in this message to a unique relationship with God And he's making it available to everyone. So without looking at the page or without looking at your phone or whatever you've got or with nothing on the screen, I want you to just hear this for just a moment. Hear him say over and over again, your father, your father, your father, your father, your heavenly father. Ten times in the Old Testament, God is referred to as father, truly as the father of the nation. Jesus more than doubles it in the Sermon on the Mount. He doesn't refer to him as the father of the nation. He refers to him as a personal, heavenly father. Your father. Everything changes when you think of him personally as father. I was not originally scheduled to be speaking today. We actually had some other things planned that, that didn't come together, and, and some of you are wishing for those things right now, and I understand, but don't, don't worry about it. The, uh, and so, uh, but I knew that we were going to be in this series, and so in preparation to prepare my heart for this series and what God was going to be teaching all of us through this series, I just, in some moments of personal prayer and scripture reading throughout the week, I just decided that I would pray to God as Father in a very particular way. So I don't know, you, you say, well, we always pray to God as Father. Well, let me kind of let you in on how this typically happens for me. Whenever I go to God in prayer, this is what it sounds like, for the most part. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. i like to uh, confess all my sins. We're going to be here a while. Um, here's, uh, here's, here's the list. Lord, you know the list. Uh, your will be done but please take care of the list. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. And then around the table, it's dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this food. Thank you for all that you give us. Bless it to our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. Anytime that I pray, it typically kind of goes about just like that. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Heavenly Father, but I don't really ever even think about it. I'm praying to my Father. And so in personal time, reflection over the last few weeks, every once in a while, I'll just take a minute and I'll just pray, Father. Just one word. Father. Strip away all the routine, all the ritual, all the things that you typically say. And just breathe it in for a minute. Father. I was surprised the first time. 
I didn't start weeping. I didn't like lose control. I just, I, I just had this bit of emotion just kind of come upon me. Just, Father, that's the invitation that God has given to us to pray to him as Father. And then some scripture came to my mind. I thought I'd share it. Luke chapter 11, verse 10. Jesus says, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? These illustrations are really odd to me. But then Jesus goes on to say, If you then who are evil, thank you very much, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If even someone like me can come up with good things to do for my earthly kids, how much more will God the Father take care of me? And as I'm sitting here, I'm letting this wash over me. He can be trusted. He's not setting me up for failure. He's not setting me up to fall, but he is a good, good father. That's what comes over me. But here's the problem with the word father. And there is a problem. I know we've been talking about it for three weeks. This is week four of this series. And it's been, Pastor Brian's done some some great teaching on what it means to be father and to want to be fathered by God and that God wants to be a father to us. Here's the problem. I don't know anybody who uses the word father. I really don't. I mean, maybe at your house, if your kids call you father, that's fine. To me, the word father sounds like something they may say if they ever call me from prison. It just sounds distant, and I hope they don't. It just sounds distant. It just sounds far off. And so the Apostle Paul gives us a way to take this even a little bit closer. I want you to look with me, if you would, at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now we're going to read verses 15 and 16 here in just a moment, but I got to pause here because I want you to understand something. This, what I'm about to say is not really culturally acceptable, but I'm okay with that. But you need to hear this. We are not all children of God. Now in our culture, that, that sounds mean. We were all created by God. God knows the hair's on every single head of every person in this world, every single one of us, fearfully and wonderfully made by God. He has plans for our lives, purposes for our lives, created by God, but you are not a child of God unless you have accepted the Son of God. And once you have accepted the Son of God, God's plan that he sent his one and only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, to shed his blood because sin throughout history has always required a blood sacrifice. And once you believe that God sent his son to be that once and final sacrifice and that he's risen from the dead today, then the spirit of God confirms something in your heart. You are a son or a daughter of God. Yeah, that'll preach. Now look at the rest of this. 
For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, here's the term, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This term happens three times in the New Testament. I want to read the second one really quickly if we can. It's also from the Apostle Paul. It's in Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says this, And because you are sons or daughters, and because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The Apostle Paul takes a couple things further than anyone's ever taken them before. And it's pretty amazing when you think about it. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You are a participant in his resurrection. Once you put your faith and trust in him, you have his life coming through, coming through you. And you have all the same rights and privileges and honors that the resurrected son of God has. And it just takes us our whole lives to work that out because that's amazing truth. But in the middle of all of this, the apostle Paul says, the spirit of God has put something inside of us so that we will cry out to God in a particular way. Abba, father. Now we made a shift because titles mean things. Jesus said, not just father of a nation, your father. And then the apostle Paul makes another shift to Abba, father. What is an Abba, father? Abba, very simply, is an Aramaic word for father. But it's much simpler to say it's a much more personal word. And so through history, it goes like this. Imagine teaching a child who their father is, in their earliest moments, you go to them and say, say Abba, 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 say Abba. You see, from the time that I got married and my wife and I began to think about having a family, I never wanted to be a father. I wanted to be a dad. And Abba Father is the invitation to call the creator God of the universe, your heavenly father. It's an invitation to know him in a more personal way. He says, call me dad. Call me dad. I mean, I remember I would go in into the the room that, you know, was, we called the nursery, you know, it's just another bedroom in the house. We call it the nursery. It's where the crib is. It's where the baby is. It's where the changing table is and, and all of that stuff. And I would walk into the room and I would say to my boys, come on, call me dad. Say, say dad, say dad, dad, say dad, 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 come on, you can do it. Right. And then my wife would walk in and I don't know why this got a little bit competitive at moments, but she would say, say mama, say mama. And I would say, get thee behind me, Satan. That's not what we're here to do. (laughs) And I think think our oldest son, I think his first word was light. I don't think either one of us won this particular battle. But I I wanted to hear him say, Dad. And when you understand that the heavenly father of the universe wants to relate to you in this way, changes everything. I want, 
I want you to understand something, especially for the guys here, just a moment. Let's talk, men. In these moments where the scriptures talk so intimately about God, and even in the moments where the scriptures say that God calls us little children, men, I want you to understand something, and women, I want you to understand something. God's desire is not to baby you. But God wants you to understand that you can come to him in the simplest of terms. You don't have to come with something grand and grandiose. He invites you close and he says, call me dad. No one was a more burly guy than King David, but he was also a poet and a songwriter. I mean, the guy who had killed a lion, who had killed a bear, who killed the giant with the sling, if you've seen that one, pretty amazing stuff. He was the guy who expressed himself in an amazingly intimate way to God in the Psalms. Have you ever had that moment where maybe you said as a kid or maybe your kids have said about you, my dad can beat up your dad? Have you ever had that? Like I, I remember my second son, Wesley, he said that at some point to somebody uh, about me and their dad. And I'm thinking about the other dad. And I'm thinking, since he's not a hobbit or a leprechaun, my, choice, my chances are not very good right now. So please don't take this too far, all right? But for the sake of my son, I let him believe it with everything he's got. Yeah, absolutely. Dad could take him out. He'll never see it coming. You know, I mean, really and truly. David has these kind of moments and in Psalm chapter 47, he says, for the Lord, the most high is to be feared a great king over all the earth. That's my dad. He's strong and mighty. He's powerful. That's who we worship. We can adore him for who he is. We can worship him with everything that we've got. A couple weeks ago or Last week, my wife was out of town for a few days, and, and so playing the role of, of single dad at home, I decided that we were going to just get out of the house, no matter what it took, just go. And so we would get out of the house, and I would go on Groupon, and I would find little deals and places for us to go around the city and around northwest Atlanta, and we didn't, we didn't spend hundreds of dollars or anything like that, but we went out as, as, as men, as, as, as the male species of the house, and we went out, and we had a good time. And then by the grace of God, thankfully, my wife came back home a few days later and she comes back home and I'm I'm tucking in my youngest son at night and he says to me, dad, thanks for the weekend. I'm done, I'm out. That's all I needed. How much must it please God the Father when we come to him with gratitude? David does it in Psalm 138. He says, thank you. Everything in me says, thank you. Angels, listen, as I sing my thanks, I kneel and worship facing your holy temple. And I say it again, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. Going to him with gratitude for every little thing that he has put into our hands. We have so many wonderful opportunities to relate to this God, to adore him, to love him, to let him know that we love him, to acknowledge his love for us, and then to go to him with gratitude. That's amazing, but that's not always how we express ourselves to dad. Because not every day is adoration, and not every day is gratitude, though truly we should get ourselves to the point where it is. But there are some days and there are some moments when dad is really frustrating. There are some days where we don't understand. There are some days when we read scriptures like his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, and we're wondering what in the world are you up to? And we have different emotions that we want to express to dad. My oldest son, a couple weeks ago, I'm sorry, it's the dad message, so you're getting a lot of stories, but my, 
my oldest son, a few weeks ago, we were uh, getting ready to leave for school. And he said, wait, wait, I forgot, I forgot one thing. I got to run back in the house. And I'm thinking, oh, because I am not heavenly father. I'm not a perfect father. I, I hurry for the love, hurry. We're almost late and it's your fault. I'm, I'm just sure it's your fault. So uh, I, I know that I just got in the car too, but go quickly, uh, do what you must do. And so he goes to get one more thing out of the house. And I decided in my imperfection that it was taking too long. Sitting in the car, car's already on in the garage. You know, a car horn is an interesting thing. <laughs> it takes years of training and driving to understand this, but you can, you can give it a gentle tap just to say hello. You can, you can lay on it a little louder like, hi, I'm excited to see you. You can be in traffic and you can hit that thing and it says all the words you're thinking right, right for you, keep you out of sin, just, just hit it so that they don't back into you or whatever it is. But there's another level. There's another level of volume that that thing will get to. And I mean, if you push on it hard enough and if you hold it, something very special happens. And so in this moment, I'm waiting for the boy to come back to the car. And the boy's not coming back to the car on dad's time frame. And so I don't hit the horn as if he is upstairs looking for something in the house. I didn't hit the horn as if he had gone to the neighbor's house to look for something. I hit the horn as if he was in a completely different neighborhood. I laid on that thing with everything that I had. Little did I know that about a half a second before I hit that horn, my 14-year-old had opened the door from the house to the garage and he is standing about 10 inches away from the car horn. (laughs) He jumped. He opened the door. Dad, what was that for? What are you doing? He was angry and he sinned not. Can I tell you, it is okay, it's not okay to be angry at God, but it's okay to express anger to God. And here's the problem. If you think of God as distant and far off, then when grief crashes into your life and you're experiencing a loss, you've lost someone suddenly, Maybe a marriage is falling apart. Maybe you lose a job out of nowhere. Maybe cancer comes barreling into your house. Too many people, because of their distance with God, they don't express their emotions to him, but rather they have walked away from him. And if you are in that category today and you have found yourself back in this room, I want to thank you for coming back into this room. And I want you to know that God, your heavenly dad, wants you to talk to him about whatever it is that turns you away. Maybe it was someone that, that stuck a knife in your back who's from a church or who names the name of Jesus and they hurt you and you are so angry about it. We are allowed to express that anger. Have you ever prayed one like this? Psalm 44, awake. Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Dad, what? are you doing right now? And we find ourselves full of all kinds of emotion, depression, grief, 
anxiety, fear, whatever it might be. And David says, give ear to my prayer, O God, in Psalm 55. He says, hide not yourself from my plea for mercy, which he's saying, God, it feels like you're hiding. Attend to me, answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me. Horror overwhelms me. God, I'm so afraid with what's going on in my life. I need you to let me know what's going on. And sometimes there's that silence and we don't understand it. And so when really when the rubber meets the road and when we rise up in faith the way we can, sometimes the best we can do is Psalm 56.3, God, when I am afraid, I'll trust in you. I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't know why you're waiting I don't know why you allowed that. I don't know what in the world is happening, but I'm scared to death. I'm overwhelmed. Dad. Father. I trust you. I trust you. And then day by day, maybe with just a a prayer as simple as that one. Dad, I'm scared to death, but I trust you. Maybe you find the courage in that little prayer of trust to go a little bit further, to to wake up, to get out of the bedroom, to clean yourself off, to get dressed, to put one foot in front of the other one and to move through the day with now maybe a rising little bit of courage. Moses talks about it in Deuteronomy 31. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. There could not be a more present truth that even though at times he is silent, he is not absent because he is our perfect heavenly father. He's not going to leave you. We have a dad who's not going to leave. He's going to be right there at your side. No matter what. All right, so I got one more dad story. Our, my oldest son, you know, you do everything wrong with your first. You, you, ever, you know that? Um, I only have two. <laughs> so I've done most everything wrong with the second one as well. But I did, we did pretty much everything wrong with the first one. And uh, we love going to the beach. I grew up going to the beach and I want to take my, my son to the beach. And I, I like being brave and getting out in the waves, you know? So he like can't walk yet, but I'm holding him. Isn't this awesome? We're going out. We're going into the waves. Well, waves crash unpredictably. Waves are loud and we'll begin to cry And at six months old or thereabouts, he was making it very clear the beach was not his thing. Get out. And so I remember we we got back out on the beach and sat him down. He's crying. And we're looking at each other going, I I don't know what's wrong with him. You did this. Something happened. What's the matter? And so, I mean, the next day we would get out to the beach and he would kind of, he would cry. He would He didn't like the sand because he knew on the other side of the sand was all this noise, all this confusion, all this tumult. He didn't want anything to do with it. So we we would hold him and ease him in and got better. And he's had lots of therapy. He'll be fine. The, uh, no, actually didn't get to that point. The next beach trip, 
We learned something a little differently. As long as he was walking with dad, he was fine. You know, it's like you have that first moment where you hit the sand. It's like, wait, we, we're, we're, we're doing this again, aren't we? Yes, yes, we are. So I would reach down. He's barely walking. He'd reach up, he'd grab my hand. You know, he can't grab the whole hand. He's just, he's just like grabbing two fingers. And I've got his hand in mine. And we're going for a walk. Down the beach to the ocean, step by step, for what was coming next. He was brave enough. He had enough courage when he's holding on to dad's hand. My brother-in-law happened on that trip to capture a picture of one of these moments. I wanted to show it to you. Remember when Angela and I first saw this picture, we're talking about a sweet moment. We just said, that's how God wants to walk with us. In fact, I remember a, a short conversation about, and some of you moms maybe can relate to this, do we stage this with the second one so we have a picture of each of them like this, you know? And, and that didn't work out, that didn't happen. And so, but we just say, you know, we, we have this picture that stays out because it's a reminder to us that God himself wants to walk with us step by step through whatever life might bring. You see, the closer you get in relationship with him, the greater trust you can have in his presence and you'll develop a courage that sustains you through the most confusing and overwhelming of circumstances when you know him as dad. There's one other time in the New Testament that this term, Abba Father, comes up. On the night of his betrayal, Jesus has had what we now know as the Lord's Supper or Eucharist with his disciples. They left from that room in the upper part of the city. They went out to the Mount of Olives. They sang a few songs. And then Jesus went down into the valley of Kidron into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray for what was about to happen. Gethsemane, it means a a place of pressing. Truly, if you know anything about how olive oil is made, it's it's a place of pulverizing. And Jesus, with the sins of the whole world about to come upon him, with all of that angst, with all of that anguish, filled with so much anxiety, an emotion that he begins to sweat drops of blood. Typically, when I'm going through something so difficult, I'll think of every awesome term I can come up with for God. Whatever it is, I don't even know what they all mean sometimes without looking them up. It's like, Almighty God, I heard Elohim one time. I heard Adonai one time. I mean... You're the king of the universe. You're the Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. I'm going through something crazy right now, and I've really got to get your attention. And the Son of God, who was going through the most difficult moment he would ever go through, what does he pray in Mark chapter 14? Abba, Father. 
Dad, everything is possible for you. I've preached it. I believe it. Would you remove this cup from me? That's really what I want in this moment. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. When he needed the courage to walk through his most difficult moments, the Son of God called on Dad and shows us again exactly how we're to relate to him. Not because God thinks little of you. Not because he doesn't think you have what it takes. Not because he wants to baby you. But because he wants you to know you can come to him, you can relate to him in the simplest of terms, just as you are in whatever circumstances you find yourself in. But you can come. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that Abba, Father, our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Dad, sent His one and only Son that we might have eternal life. And as I mentioned already, that one and only son shed his blood on a cross for the sins of the whole world, for yours. He would never skip you. He created you for his purposes, for his glory. He created you so that he could love you. If you would but right now reach out and pray to him, you can become a son or daughter of God. In this moment, would you pray in your own words? I'll give you some words to guide you, but would you pray in your own words, God? I come before you right now, feeling something inside of me drawing me. I I wasn't expecting, I was just coming to a church today, God. But there's something else going on here. So God, I'm praying to you now. I believe now for the first time in my life, not just in an idea of you far off, but that you love me personally and that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. My sins, I hadn't even thought about sin before. I just, I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not. So I confess that to you now. And I believe that the same Jesus who died is risen from the dead today and is seated next to my heavenly Father. Put my faith and trust in that. Help me now to move forward, God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that, if you prayed anything in your own words to reach out to God for salvation, would you please take the Get Connected card that you received when you came in? You received a little card with some announcements on it when you came in. There's a little tear off on the side. Would you fill that out? Would you let us know that you prayed to receive Christ as your Savior? You can hand it in to someone at the door on your way out. If you want to be that casual about it, we'll we'll reach out to you, help you out. But if you want to, you can take it to our help center. 
And we'd love to help you get started in your journey with Jesus. Those tables there on the other side of the waterfall in the, in the lobby space, please take that out there. Let us help you get going. For everyone else here today, believers, followers of Jesus, sons and daughters of God, little children, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to give you a minute to do what I did in the journey leading up to this series and to this Sunday. Would you just take a deep breath and would you just pray, Father. If you want to pray, Dad, pray, Dad. Just let it wash over you for just a minute. Don't say anything else. Don't do what you typically do. knows what's on your mind your marriage your grief the financial need your kids your frustration with just not knowing you hear the prayers and the cries of your people today? Would you teach us that you love us? Teach us the depths of that. And teach us to love you back. Grow our faith, grow our trust, grow our confidence that you're with us in a closer way than we ever realized. And we pray and we do say thanks to our great, big, awesome dad. In Jesus' name, amen.